Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Talking About Birds, the only Cardinal podcast that, like Pete Alonzo, is just straight up not paying attention. My <laughs> name is Nate Heininger, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Ben Smorka. Hey, Nate H. And this week, we're going to talk about all the new faces on the team. We're going to check in on the Cardinals' lengthy IL list. We're going to talk about the production at the catcher position, and we're going to check in on the upcoming series against the Phillies and the series against the Padres. If you have an idea for the opening bit, tweet us at Talk About Birds. Hambone, here we are. It's hot Yo. as hell out. We were we got another week of mediocre Cardinal baseball to talk about. Yeah. Um, but first, I do have to come clean about something. Last week, I you're I told, such a loser. You're such a loser. Hey, it 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 was the right decision. Okay, and I will. LOL. It will make sense. So I said last week I was going to go oh, and get sir. a chicken sandwich for the show. Included in getting this chicken sandwich for the show was also attending a St. Louis Cardinals baseball game live at. To Bush be clear, Stadium. you were getting a chicken sandwich for yourself. Mm, well, yeah, of course, but you know, <laughs> it's it, not some like altruistic thing you're doing. People for demand me or it, any- Ben. I'm ah, here. Okay, sorry. You know, I am yeah. but a conduit for the desires of the talking about listen conduit talking about for the desires <laughs> listener oh. group. Okay, that's I am merely but a vessel. Okay, Mm -hmm. and I failed. I failed them, but (laughs) because uh, part of going to get this chicken sandwich while also watching a baseball game was that was planning on bringing our kids. It it was the last day of summer for my older daughter going into first grade. Wow! And when it turned out that the game was going to be. Uh, on the fourth hottest day in St. Louis history, <laughs> we decided, uh, you know, maybe it's not the best call. Maybe right now is not the best. All right. Ben just like in the middle of me talking, just leaned back and put on a pair of sunglasses <laughs> as if he was about to like hop in a fighter jet or something. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just just listening to your horse shit. Uh-huh. You know what? Us us people without children are tired of these child having people. Oh, my kids, I can't do this thing because my kid. You know what? Step mm-hmm. up. Eat a chicken sandwich. <laughs> I will say if I remember correctly, the heat index was 115 degrees. Yes. So I kind of get hot. it. It's hot. It's super but hot. <laughs> what, you know what's going to cool you down? Nice hot chicken sandwich, a piping hot chicken sandwich. Your Uh your inside is going to be so hot Uh that the external temperature will actually feel cool cool down. Yeah. Yeah. If I'm if I'm roughly 130, 140 on the inside, then the 115 (laughs) outside will feel fine. Listen, I get it. Okay, I'm not really even trying to make excuses. I'm trying to make sure that you understand. I'm not looking for your acceptance. I'm just trying to explain. Okay. Mm. Okay, um, but I, I will rectify this. I will make amends. There's not so, a lot of baseball left. There's not. Um, and it's getting increasingly meaningless. Uh, so <laughs> uh, perfect to bring a couple of small kids to the game for. Uh, right. So. So, yeah, that was that was the story. Um, 
It's hot as hell. It's still super hot, but we're getting into September. It should be cooler and I'm going to go and I'm going to make amends. Yeah. But I Did had you to guys just clean. go hang out in like a walk in fridge somewhere or, or what? What do you do on a day in St. Louis when it's 115 degrees out? Well, we went to the uh, water park early in the day and stayed till about one. And where even if it was no matter how cool that water is, 115, you're still just cooking out there. So we eventually went in it and stayed inside the rest of the day. But we uh, had a good time at the uh the uh, swimming and, you know, waiting like 40 minutes for a terrible cheeseburger from the concession stand. <laughs> Damn. Which yeah. water is that at Raging Rivers? Is that where y'all went? No, there's like a small one in Crestwood that oh, is okay. really, really nice. We are talking about doing like next year. I think the kids will be big enough to try out something like a Hurricane Harbor or a uh, or like a, a Raging River. I've never been to Raging Rivers, but I it's cool when it's hot. That's what I was about to say. I remember the commercials from the nineties. <laughs> uh, are you are you a water park park guy? Do you like a water park? I, I like the really big slides, mm-hmm. the ones where you have to like go down like coffin style or like mm-hmm. a vampire or whatever. I really I think like those to, are a. Bl- is that when you feel most comfortable pretending you're in a coffin? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think those are really fun because they are actually they they are super scary. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like that little, little adrenaline boost. And then I also really like the ones where you have like, it's a big circle and there's like six or eight people on it. And you're kind of doing those, yeah. like hot, you're going really high on the turns and you feel like you're going to fall over. Uh, those are fun outside of that. I pretty much find water parks to be disgusting. Um, <laughs> like I don't think get I could soup, ever get, yeah, I don't think I'd ever get in a wave pool again. I don't think I would ever getting a lazy river or, or anything like that. The water has to be minimal and me moving quickly for me to, there has to be like a thrill factor. I'm not just going to go there and like wade in a, uh, Olympic swimming pool filled with urine, um, as children swim by me or, or whatever might be happening. I had no idea. We had the queen of England joining us today <laughs> on the, uh, on the podcast. <laughs> That's really that's okay. I think I think my take is getting a pee pool, Ben. Getting the pee pool. All right, fine. Uh, I I would I I think I would put Raging Rivers over Hurricane. This is some real serious St. Louis talk right here. Mm -hmm. Raging Rivers over Hurricane Harbor, uh, just because I feel like it's a little more um, dangerous. There's a little more Mm -hmm. less quality uh, control. Yeah, like you like the toilet bowl slide. There's a, I do like the toilet bowl slide. That's really fun. Um, it's your second favorite thing to do after pretending you're dead. You like to pretend you're in a giant, like you're a big old, big old turd. (laughs) Honestly, (laughs) this is a run out the clock situation. I'm just, you know, (laughs) wait until the end. I want to, I want to pretend to be a piece of shit. I am one in my day to day. And at least now I can visualize being one too. That. Exactly. Exactly mm-hmm. my thought process. That sounds nice. I've never been to Raging Rivers. I think I've already said that. I need to go sometime. It's cool when it's hot. <laughs> Indeed. It's cool when it's hot. You know what's also yeah. super cool, Vin? Huh. Throwing priceless memorabilia uh 40 rows deep into oh, wow. a, into a stand. <laughs> into the stand. Expert transition right there. Yeah. Uh, couldn't have happened to a doofier guy. I mean, how, how funny. So if, if somehow you've missed this, so I doubt you have, uh, yeah. for, if you're listening to this show, I doubt you've missed this, but 
Uh, Mason Wynn, first career hit. Uh, of course, of course, Pete Alonzo, of all people, takes the ball. And out of nowhere, because there's it's still the middle of an inning, he just chucks it deep into the crowd and immediately starts taking shit from like everybody <laughs> across across all of baseball and the Cardinal dugout and the stands. And considering Pete Alonzo's history with the Cardinals, uh, yeah, namely being tackled by Stubby Clap last year, uh, <laughs> it's just a really funny, like of all the places, of all the people to do that, you know, of course it's Pete Alonzo at home against the Cardinals. Uh, I will say, like, I truly believe him that it was an accident. I, I don't know how he got to that point because, like, who throws the ball that- into the stands in the m- middle of an inning, you know? So I don't even think that that's the worst part because like because this was in my mind and we went to a Rockies game on Saturday um, and I was kind of just paying attention to that. And they were throwing the the third baseman, uh, Ryan McMahon, the third baseman for the Rockies, was throwing the ball into the stands like pretty frequently, mid inning, post inning, whatever. So I don't even think that that's the problem. I think it's really like you expect a major league baseball player to have a certain level of situational awareness. Um, right. I think that baseball players know who each other are to a certain degree. They're not all BFFs, um, but it's pretty obvious that this is Mason. Mason Wynn is a, a big time prospect. Just came up. He just got his. He first got a hit. standing. He, he got like a. I don't know if it, a full on standing ovation earlier in the game, but he got like a huge reception from the crowd, which right. was awesome. And my question to that is, what is Pete? thinking about in that situation if he is not situationally aware and locked into the game at in front of him now i know you know the mets are out of the playoff race the cardinals are too maybe he's taking a mental vacation uh at some point throughout the game but that's what i'm like what are you doing pete you're having a a okay season is this are you having concentration problems what's going on here um and then yeah of course like it's you know, Paul Goldschmidt and Pete Alonzo are like very opposite in the way that they handle life. They handle the game. They handle the public and everything like that. So, of course, you get this. He's kind of a he's kind of a whiner, you know, and then you see the Cardinals wearing him out, which they should do, because first off, who likes Pete Alonzo outside of New York? Um, he's an easy guy to not like, I think, um, because he's just annoying. So the Cardinals wearing him out and then him acting as though it's some travesty that the, he's getting screamed out by miles michaelis and and whoever else was wearing him out there in, in the dugout he deserved it just wear it you know like don't yeah don't huff and puff at first base also again how are you not paying attention to the situation yeah. everybody i'm else assuming was. i am my couch I'm assuming was. he's he's thinking about dumbbells or something you know I don't know. I my my like most empathetic take is that it was a bad throw. Pulled him off the bag. He he'd like just gotten himself all dirty. He was maybe a little yeah. bummed about the play, you know, and he just was like, ah, damn it. Like, all right, here you go. And he just threw the ball in the stands because he wasn't even he was he was too much thinking about like the play itself. But either way, yeah, it, it doesn't it, it's it's just it's so stupid, you know, he. He, to me, is the definition of a doofus. You know what I mean? I think he's a big doofus. Uh, My my favorite part of this whole thing, though, and this further, I think, you know, hammers at home. So I do believe that he felt really bad. And so we saw him apologize to win on second base. And then he later uh, apparently sent 
win a a very expensive bottle of tequila with a note yes. again apologizing and also an autographed Pete Alonzo bat to Mason Wynn, <laughs> yeah. which I mean, uh. he is a big star, you know, and it's not uncommon for young kids to come up and like want memorabilia from the big stars of the game. Right. We've seen it a million times. But unless he asked for an autograph, it's pretty presumptuous to be like, right. I'm so sorry, fellow major leaguer. Here's a, uh, here's an autograph bat of me. Right. (laughs) It's like, here's my mixtape, bro. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Listen to this. Do you know, uh, the difference between a Schlemiel and Schlemazel? Hoffenstopp Incorporated? No, I don't know. (laughs) Hoffens Pfeffer Incorporated. Hoffins, uh, well, he's he's a Schlemiel. He's he's okay. He's he's the one that you're at a party. He spills wine. A Schlemazel mm. is the one that he pours wine on. He's just always doing something. A, a doofus. Yeah. Sorry, I just had yeah. that stuck in my head. But uh, <laughs> yeah, we're, I mean, who isn't generally thinking about the opening to Laverne and Shirley? <laughs> <laughs> um, that's the only thing I know that from what, wherever you're pulling it from, I have no idea. Um, I don't know. Yeah. So it's funny. Welcome to the big Mason, uh, kind of overshadows the fact that Mason Wynn was called up. We knew it was coming. Yeah. We knew, you know, yeah. this was, this was likely the week. Um, but it's super exciting. Uh, what has been your, uh, early take on him as a major leaguer? I mean, he, you know, it's kind of hard to judge a guy this early. Obviously, he is like through the roof as far as his energy level. Um, and we've seen him uncork a couple of throws. I was looking at his uh, or at baseball savant page already. I think he's already got a uh, I think it's a top 10 or top 15 throw in Major League Baseball right now. And uh, yeah. and uh, Jordan Walker's on that list as well, by the way. Um but yeah, I, mean, I, I think he's everything that we expected. I think that he'll settle down. His glove will get better and better at short as he kind of just gets used to playing in the bigs, which is an adjustment like I couldn't believe. Um, and I think that's going to that's the thing that I probably have the most confidence in is that his glove and arm are going to be great. Um, I think the other thing that has stood out early is because he hasn't really made super solid contact with the ball yet, but how well his speed is playing up in the bigs. Mm-hmm. And as soon as he hits the ball, he's tearing it out of the box, putting pressure on the defense. Um, and he's turned a lot of those kind of light hits or, or, a, or a normal hit into it, uh, from a single to a double. Um, so the fact that he's like heads down hustling and, and scrapping out hits and, you know, I think a little bit of power and, and, and a little more rounded out offensive game is going to come. Um, but I think he's been fantastic. And, and I think the Cardinals strategy, um, as far as keeping his rookie eligibility in co- uh, 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 you know, uh, available for next year, or sorry, <laughs> ensuring that he is rookie eligible in the year of 2024 so he can try to get some yes. accolades is great, uh, while also providing him the big league experience, getting to know the league, hopefully making it so that when he comes into spring training and, and big league baseball next year, he's you know, how a, whatever percentage more comfortable coming into a, a again, a, you know, a life changing uh, situation. Not to mention, I, I think the thing that I'm most excited about is just being able to watch the bromance of Jordan Walker and Mason Wynn in real time, um, because, yes, that's that's great and fun and youth and all that good stuff. Yeah, 100 um, percent. 
I, I essentially the same. Like it, you can tell even in the short, uh, short window here that we've had at the major league level, you can see some of those skills, the defense and his speed has stood, stood out. I do think it'll, it'll likely be a while before we see like Mason win as an offensive threat. So just kind of setting expectations, you know, if you're, if you're watching this, watching them play, um, you know, he is not a Jordan Walker type offensive prospect. He was crushing uh, in his last month and a half at AAA, but it took him a little while to get comfortable there. It took him a little while to get comfortable at double A, and none of that is anywhere near as difficult as the major league level. Um, so I expect that he is going to essentially lock in the starting shortstop position uh, through the next month and go into next year as the uh, assumed starting shortstop for the foreseeable future. And that's probably going to be built mostly off of his defense. Hopefully we see some flashes of the offensive prowess, but I'm really not expecting anything significant here, especially in this last month. Um, you know, he's incredibly young and the vast majority of major league players, especially those that come up at his age, take a little while to adjust. His ideal final form is someone who's, a you know, Average to above average at every offensive trait, but probably not elite at anything other than possibly like, you know, steals. And even then we'll see. So, um, yeah, you know, I think like look at um what CJ Abrams is doing now with the, the Nationals. You know, he was a pretty highly touted prospect for the Padres, was eventually moved over to the Nationals and got what a year and a half in the big leagues. And then really it's been this last couple months that he started to really break out and put it together. Um, you know, I think that's probably more what we should expect. Don't get me wrong. I would love yeah. an immediate offensive breakout from him, but just trying to set some expectations here and what to look for. Yeah. And I think, I, I think a hundred percent. And the good thing is that the defense and the speed should just be there all of the time. I think they've yeah. kind of called this out in the broadcast a little bit. Um, and I think it's super noticeable and I think it's been noticeable watching Jordan Walker get to the big leagues as well, but there, the changes happen when you are a young guy and you come up from triple a double a into the big leagues, uh, and they'll just throw the kitchen sink at you right away. It used to be, I'm going to dominate this kid with fastballs until he proves he can't and then move on from that. But I have the numbers in front of me right now. Uh, in his obviously very limited time, Mason Wynn has seen only 27% fastballs um, and then a pretty healthy mix of sliders, change, uh, curve, say, like everything that's moving all of the, all of the time. And that's kind of, you know, the league is different now. Um, we have a lot of video on Mason Wynn. I'm sure that the numbers are saying that he hits fastballs very well, which I, I believe that he does. Um, but he's got to adjust to that, too. It's not only is it going from that you're getting pitch different. But the quality of those curveballs, changeups, and sliders has yeah. you know just shot through the roof. So it's it's a whole learning curve. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm not. I don't even think you can really judge him based on this month uh, or 45 or ish games that we're about to watch of him. Um, it, it, yeah, it's more just kind of getting your toes wet and or maybe your whole feet yeah. wet, and then kind of going from there. Uh, just jumping into the pool all the way. Uh, yeah, if there's there any benefit of this horrible season it's that mason win and that you know jordan walker too uh, you know are getting it like a lot of time at the big league level where there are expectations of them but their impact isn't going to win or lose the cardinals a division 
You know, it's already right. done. So Win can start basically every day at shortstop. And even if he hits 100, like it's not, it might actually help the Cardinals. We've been talking, you know, the yeah. Cardinals are very expertly tanking at this point, whether it's intentional or not. Um, as far as all of these losses, uh, it, it's, you know, it, it works out. We, we kind of want them to lose most of the rest of the games, which is what it is. Well, yeah, we're all on the Ethan Holiday train now. Lose, lose, lose. That's right. <laughs> uh, well, besides Mason Wynn, uh, we're seeing a bunch of other new faces today yeah. or this over this last week. And, and this is probably just what the rest of the season is going to look like. A mix of some guys that we're really excited to see and a bunch of guys that are just filling roster spots because the Cardinals don't want to start the clock on some guys. Too. Yeah. So uh, let's start with. Uh, Drew Rom, who was acquired in, yeah. uh, in the Flaherty trade. We said when we covered the trade, you know, our take and the general consensus take on it was that there was no real top prospect in that trade. It was a bunch of quantity over quality, but all the guys acquired had some interesting tools. Drew Rom came in and crushed in his very short time as a St. Louis Cardinal in the minors. Right. He got this spot start. I was excited about it. You know, it was like, oh, man. Between this guy and Sagasay, like, did the Cardinals pull off the ultimate fleece already? Is Drew <laughs> Rom going to come up yeah. and be a good big league starter, like, immediately? Hell yeah. And then uh, <laughs> it was a rough game for our, our new friend, Drew Rom. Uh, it, yeah. He just didn't have it that day. No, he didn't. And it, so he went three and two thirds. Uh, gave up six earned runs, uh, eight runs total. He had four walks against four strikeouts. Um, yeah, and, and it just wasn't a great game. I, I don't think he was locating super well, um, but we yeah. got to see his stuff. I think that it's very likely, uh, again, I don't, just like you can't judge Mason Wynn um, on his first uh, couple of games, there's absolutely no way you can judge Drew Rahm on his first big league start. Um, that being said, you know, I, I think, he kind of is what he is. I, I would guess that his future is more likely back of the bullpen, lefty, lefty guy. Um, I don't, I, I would be surprised to learn that he becomes a solid major league starter, even at the back end of a rotation. Um, but if he can be a bulk getting guy, if he can be productive, um, I definitely think that he will not, um, I don't think that this is who he is as a player in the big leagues is I guess what I'm trying to say. Um, But, but an ugly start. Yeah. Yeah. Good beard. Uh, He's solid beard, a tier beard. Good beard. Um, Likely to get additional starts uh, with some of the injuries that have been happening. Uh, I don't think that's the last we'll have seen of drew Rom in the rotation this year. So hopefully he'll get a, have a better effort next time. Um, but yeah, so, uh, he, you know, it's he just he crazy. has to be around the edges. And if he misses with his pitches in the zone, I mean, Joshua Plasios hit a ball that was about three feet from missing the river. And he is a light hitting center fielder. Um, yeah. So you just as and it was lefty on lefty. I mean, it, he just has to he has to nibble. He has to he has to be tricky. Yeah, which is a high risk. Uh, I'd say medium reward style of pitching at the big league level. So yeah. you, know, you really have to be perfect the whole time or you're going to get crushed. Uh, well, speaking of Palacios, here's another 
uh, segue for you. How about Richie? Richie hey. Palacios, yeah. uh, brother of uh, Joshua, called up and uh, he's been kind of a fun surprise. Uh, he's been playing center. He's been hitting the ball really, really well. Uh, we saw it in in the game that is currently rain delayed. We're recording on on Wednesday afternoon. Continues to get hits. Um, what do you what are you seeing out of this guy? Yeah, I mean, I, my expectations were kind of low. You know, this guy was acquired via cash from the Guardians. Um, and, you know, he's what is he? Uh, 26 years old. Um, but I think the tools are showing up. I think he's a better fielder than I expected him. He has already robbed a home run. I think he's yeah. looked pretty solid out there in center. Uh, he's obviously got wheels. Um, and something that I've noticed is that he, while he did hit that home run and that was pull side and it was an absolute bomb, I think it was 400 feet or something like that. Um, he's been kind of slapping the ball around a little bit. He slapped a ball down the third baseline. Like I said, he pulled that home run. Um, I think he's been really nice. Um, I don't think he's a guy that's going to steal the center field job or anything like that, but his whole career, he's been super patient. Um, and I think that if his, you know, early audition for center field defense is anything to, to project upon, then he looks like a pretty good little player, like maybe yeah. a fourth or fifth outfielder type. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think this, this is a kind of player that could become pretty important if the trades that we think should happen, happen in the off season, um, and you need a guy who's not necessarily a um, uh, Dylan Carlson in center field for a few starts or, or whatever it might be. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. Like he really feels like that fourth outfielder that every good team has. Right. Um, and if the Cardinals do, as you just mentioned, like if they do do it, do do if they have it, make a trade where uh we move on from Burleson, we move on from Carlson or O'Neill or, you know, any version of this trade that has us shipping out two or more of these guys, then all of a sudden you've got him as you're, you know, starting multiple games out of the week as the fourth outfielder. And you could do a lot worse than a high defense on base guy, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I, it's super small sample size. All of this is. We've said that a ton of times already. Yeah. But um, he, he's, he's also good, he's a good start. He's a Rex Specs wearer, which I'm sure you would appreciate to some degree. <laughs> well, you know, of course, everyone who wears glasses has just a mutual appreciation for other glasses wearers. So, just yes, of course. That's what you all do. Yeah. <laughs> good nerd. It, it's like a Jeep thing. You know, a hundred percent of the time when you uh, walk by someone else with glasses, you throw up two fingers to each other. Really? And I assume uh-huh. as a non-glasses where I just wouldn't understand. You just wouldn't understand. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I can't believe you've never noticed that like 50% of the population or whatever constantly throwing up deuces to each other. Oh, I, I just ignore, ignore glasses wearers. I have a, a blindness to them. Which is easy funny to since they're blind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is kind of funny. LOL. <laughs> Yikes. All right. I'm going to come out there and poke out your eyes. Um, no. Who else? <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, Jacob Barnes called up from the Redbirds. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like the Lawrence one, <laughs> right? Um, 
this is where I was saying, like, we're seeing a mix of the Cardinals trying out guys and a mix of we just need bodies at the major league level because they traded five people and we're just trying to get to the end of the season and we don't actually really care if we win or lose. And this is where that sort of that effective tanking comes in. If uh, if Barnes or Lawrence comes in and they throw three innings and they give up six runs in those three innings. Like, well, you got us three innings closer to the end of the season. Thanks, buddy. Uh, Here's your paycheck. You'll likely sign with another team in in a few months. I I mean, that's really all it comes down to is the Cardinals have a bunch of innings they need to cover and whoever can do it. uh, Here they are. This guy's not a part of the future of the team. Um, He throws hard. um, Average fastball velocity around 96 miles an hour. Um, yeah, I think, I think that, that's about it. Uh, Nate and I were talking before we turned the microphones on that he was battling Corey Knable for the closer role in Milwaukee in 2017. Um, so that was interesting, you know, however yeah. many years ago that was. And, and now I here mean, we are honestly good for him for still being around. Like what reliever, yeah. I mean, what percentage of relievers that were like, trying for a back end of the bullpen role in 2017 are still pitching at the major league level. That's just the life of, of a reliever. So yeah, there's obviously something there. Yeah. Also, if you have a kid that can throw 95 plus, just make him play baseball and that you'll have a career for at least a while. Um, just like, just just like this guy, you have a, if you have a kid who can throw 95 plus, make them play baseball. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. I, I don't understand why you're confused by that. They just started out as a kid throwing 95 miles per hour. That's and, why I and, assume children just uh, come out fully baked, right? Yeah. And and then you point them towards the sport where they use these skills. It's not something that is developed over time in that sport. I don't understand what you're what point you're <laughs> making. Yeah, my daughter, she's at like 84, 85 right now as a six year old. Honestly, I'm I'm a little disappointed. That's pretty good. <laughs> no, Better than you. Well, that's a low bar to <laughs> jump. <laughs> Although you'll see next year. Next September, when I come out to Colorado for the series. Yeah. I've yeah, got, got a long over, time. I've got over a year before we do our pitch cl- our pitch uh speed speed pitch challenge. I don't yeah, know. there you go. Yeah. Uh, all right. So that's that's most at the big league level. Uh, we did want to touch on uh, Thomas Sagase, um, who has been crushing it uh, since joining the, the Cardinals. And as someone who follows a lot of prospect lists for uh, fantasy baseball, I've mentioned it several times on the show. He's flying up prospect lists in that regard, too. Like a lot of people are starting to look at this guy. Uh is that was this another you know sneaky good John Mazalek trade or is this just a, a a fun moment? What what are you seeing from from this guy? I, I, I'm not a, a prospect hawk by any means. I'm no Kyle Reese. I, I, I'm none of those. But I will say, based on his performance, where he is not only hitting the ball hard, but get, just getting on base at a high clip, um, and watching his bats bat speed, just the way that he kind of goes, it, it looks super real to me. Um, I think that. You know, this is the kind of guy that gets undervalued because he's not popping at a defensive position. And that's, you know, obviously the the magic um, uh, prospect or the, or the way to get yourself up in prospect rankings is you can hit and you can play a premium defensive position. 
Um, but real baseball teams, not prospect boards, I think need players like this extremely bad. Um, and the fact that he is producing the power that he's producing, I think is very, very exciting. He's only 21 years old. If his power continues to ascend and his contact skills are what his contact skills are, he might kind of force himself into a, you know, a a bat first prospect. I have no problem with that. Uh, that -hmm. is something that every team can use and especially a righty, a righty that's hitting everybody. Uh, again, it's just immensely valuable. Um, so I do. I, I am kind of feeling like in between him and Takoa Roby that the Cardinals really did a nice job with this trade. Um, you would have to assume that Sagasi is going to come to big league training or uh, spring training next year. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if he's in AAA or the big leagues really, really quickly because he just has that that approach, that batter ball profile, that everything that you're kind of looking for. And I think what the Cardinals, you know, obviously targeted him for all of those reasons. Yeah. Yeah. It's been exciting. Um, I, I, I also agree. I think he'll be in camp next year and you could see a world where he plays himself in as a utility player. I mean, I know it's like you said, he's not necessarily a defensive first guy, but, um, he can fit in at a bunch of different positions. And if his bat plays, they'll find a spot for him. Right. Um, I've, you know, there's the comp to Brendan Donovan. Donovan is obviously a better def- defensive player, but just has a, a really solid approach that uh, that translated at the big league level very, very quickly. And I think yeah. you could see that happening with this guy, too. Yeah, I mean, I'm just looking at his, you know, his ISO and it, obviously it's limited time. He's only been with the Cardinals for 19 games, but over 93 games with Texas, he had a 199 isolated power, uh, isolated slugging. And in uh, 19 games with the Cardinals, he has a 347. Um, so obviously, I don't think that's sustainable uh, yeah. for this guy. That would be absolutely shocking. Um, but the fact that, like I said, we've seen it right away. You have to assume the Cardinals had a little bit of uh, um training or suggestions or, or adjustments, whatever mm-hmm. it might be. And he's likely putting those to work. But, uh, again, I, I'm just strictly on eyeball test. That bat is fast. Um, and, and I like watching him play. So I'm, I'm very excited. Yeah. And, uh, a Roby, it, it was activated from the IL. So we'll start to get to see what he looks like in a Cardinal uniform, uh, which is exciting. He is clearly, he was easily the top prospect that the Cardinals acquired through all yeah. of this. We've been talking about a lot, a lot of these other guys because there's been some some surprising immediate clicks. Um, but Roby is really the the star of the prospect hall. So if if it turns out that Sagase is is actually a major league level contributor, like you know, this is looking like an incredible trade. Uh yes. and also Jordan Montgomery is crushing it for the Rangers. So it's he is on fire. Right yeah, now. it's been you know good for him. He's gonna get paid. Uh, so it is, you know, trades can sometimes just work out for both teams. Not everything has to be a crazy, uh, steal or crazy hoodwink, you know, it can just be a good, a good deal. So, I mean, if you're talking about potential, uh, production and control though, I mean, this might turn out to be a bit of a steal. Obviously the (laughs) Rangers, yeah, you know, they made their deal. They, they knew what they were doing. Um, but when you're talking about 12 years of potential control over two players that are looking very promising, very early, I don't know. I'm, I'm getting yeah. pre pre excited. Well, 
unless you actually win the World Series or make it really deep, like make the World Series and have a good run, almost every like buy at the deadline for a rental is going to end up feeling bad. It's just yeah. how it works. You know, you that is by design what you're doing. You're sacrificing right. future years for a shot at it this year. So if the Rangers like bounce after the first in, in the first round and both Roby and Sagasse end up being like major contributors, like, yeah, you're going to, yeah, they're going to hate, hate it for a while, but I like what yeah, more, well, they're, they're getting what they wanted. You know, it'll be very interesting. The, uh, uh, Texas and Houston, they are now only half a game in between the two. Texas is, uh, not playing extremely great. And Houston is chugging like, just chug along right now. So we'll see. I think, yeah, Texas has lost six games in a row, I think. And, uh, man, as soon as Houston got, uh, J- uh, JV, Justin Verlander back on the team, I kind of was like, well, here they come. Yeah. Well, and Altuve has been, you know, he's been back yep. for a little while now, but he's been playing really, really well for them. Uh, Jose so. Altuve, 2000 hits already. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would say future Hall of Famer, but who knows with all of the scandal and whatnot. Um, but yeah, he he's pretty incredible. I'd vote for him. Yeah, I think I would, too. Um, out of all the guys, you know, he he came out the most clean, even though he he still gets shit for it. I think he deserves it the least of everyone, although he was still a part of it. Uh, we don't need to relitigate 2017. <laughs> yeah, no, we don't. <laughs> Absolutely has. not. Yeah. All right. Let's let's move on. So we want to touch base on the uh, on the IL, uh, the inc- the increasingly long uh, IL. Um, so Dylan Carlson, he's hoping to play again this season, but it might be done. There's a lot of discussion about uh, ankle surgery that would end his season. Um, I personally, I'm of the mind of it. If it can, if there is a possibility of a need for surgery, like just do it now. But I know yeah. that's really easy for me to say, just sitting at home, you know, the, every surgery, you never know there is a risk in any and every surgery. So I understand why people try to avoid it and try to rehab out of it. But anecdotally, it sure seems like every time someone avoids the surgery in the short term, they just end up needing it in the long run. And where what else are we going to be doing right now so get healthy for 2024 but i don't know what do you he's just been so injured all year that i i am kind of like just there's no reason to come back Back up this year get healthy if it's not if it's surgery or if it's not surgery stop being hurt fully be as healthy (laughs) as you possibly can um that should be the number one priority and yeah if it is surgery you know get your surgery and hopefully have a normal spring training but uh the fact that the ankle is now more of the concern than the oblique, I think, is not great news. And uh, yeah, he's just he's been a glass boned player this year and uh, a glass ass, as they say. And uh, last year, too, like, he's been a glass yeah. ass as really his entire time. Yeah. So he mm. needs to he needs to figure that out first, first and foremost. Um, probably more depressing than than losing Carlson, because like you said, he's been hurt all season. Basically, uh, Matthew Libertor apparently pulled something in his lower back lifting weights. Yeah, that's why you shouldn't lift weights. Just that's why you should nev- never do anything. You might get no. hurt. Yeah. So <laughs> you only live once. So be careful. Be careful. <laughs> you only yellow once. Um, only yellow once, baby. They uh, yeah, I don't know enough about 
any individual's, uh, you know, workout regimen. I was a little surprised to find out that he was doing like bench presses in August. Like, I I don't feel like you hear a lot about weight training this far into the season for a pitcher, but I don't know. No, they all do that. Yeah. Uh, so you lower back athlete. Um, yeah, I don't, <laughs> I've never pretended to be otherwise. <laughs> so he hurt his back, which is a bummer. Uh, you know, he's had some up and down results in the rotation, but this was really his chance to, to figure it out. And we saw that impeccable start against the Rays. So, uh, I've not really seen a, a timetable on this, but we're running out of time. No matter what the 15 day IL, um, puts him, you know, when he comes back, there'll be four weeks or so left in the season. Uh, and that's if he even comes back immediately, back issues can be persistent. Right. Uh, so opens up another spot in the rotation. I think that's why Drew Rahm is likely going to stick around for yeah. a little bit, uh, but it's a bummer. Yeah, I, I think the real, obviously it's a bummer. I do wonder if he would be on the IL if it was a normal season, if the Cardinals were in competition. Um, I wondered that about a lot of these injuries outside of the Carlson one. Um, that being said, I think the real problem here is that this is a, it is very likely that Libertor is not going to add, uh, any significant or, uh, sorry, add a significant amount of innings to his workload. And they always kind of, it's, it's like a 20 or 30% add on the year over year. Um, right. so I'll be curious how this affects him going into next year, what, you know, the shape he comes into everything like that. But it, it's kind of disappointing just in that sense that, Ooh, well maybe we'll only be able to get 150 innings from him uh, next year, which with modern baseball, that might not matter too much, but we'll, we'll see. Or, you know, is even effective to get that many. That's right. it's all yeah. a question, but I think we'd be pretty happy to get 150 innings at the major league level from Libertor. Uh, Cause that would mean that he's being effective as well. Well, well right now we don't have much of an option. He's pretty much, Penciled into yeah. the rotation, but we'll see. Uh, total sidetrack, but did you see the thing? I, I think it was Bob Nightingale was tweeting it. So, you know, trust at your own risk. But the Cardinals have like the 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 top three pitchers that the Cardinals are targeting in the offseason are uh, Urias, uh, Nola, and Snell. Well, yeah, it's me like, too. Yeah, well, it did feel a little like, well, duh, isn't that's isn't that basically <laughs> just the top three pitchers on the market? Yeah, you know, um, yeah. If, if I, Sandy Koufax was still playing, I'd be targeting him too. Um, <laughs> you know, of course, I, I'd love to have the best pitchers. That's who I like totally. to target. <laughs> I'm also targeting the best, uh, but I mean, it is interesting. <laughs> it like what if that is true, and they are actually targeting, not just like. The Cardinals have identified there's a difference if the if, if the the real reality is that is that the Cardinals have identified these three as the best available yeah. pitchers. Sure. OK, everyone has done. It. Right. Yeah. Are they actually planning to acquire one of these top three pitchers is a very different like take. And and that is how yeah. I interpreted it is that uh, the you know, that is what they are intending to do is to get one of those three. Yeah. Uh, which yeah. it. If that's the case, it completely out of how the Cardinals have ever handled a free agent market before. So I'm I'm skeptical, but you know, it they need to. I was I was kind of being you know obnoxious and a little tongue in cheek there, but like Aaron Nola, he's kind of had a down year. I have no idea. Is he going to make two hundred million dollars? Is he going to make a hundred million dollars? It's probably somewhere in between that. I cannot predict that. Same deal for Urias. Urias has had a down year. Yeah. He's got a five one or a four one five ERA. 
uh, and he's been injured. Um, no, no all-star, no, no anything this year. He is coming, uh, off of back-to-back, uh, uh, placing in the Cy Young. Um, but this year hasn't been great. What is his deal going to look like? He'll be 27 going into free agency next year. Blake Snell, we've talked about this already. Blake Snell may have made himself like a hundred million dollars from this season. Um, so I I think these are, it's hard to predict. I don't know. I, I, uh, we're also seeing reports that Yamamoto, uh, will likely command two hundred million dollars. So I don't even, I can't. I don't even want to pretend to predict what kind of money these guys will be getting. I would be. I, I think it's realistic that the Cardinals could land one of these guys. Um, I don't know who it would be though. Probably whoever's cheapest. Yeah, it'll be whoever gets the third best contract. Probably. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So. Or the third most valuable contract if that makes sense i guess if you had to pick one of those players right now who would you pick probably urius i know he's had a down year but he'll be the youngest and he has had uh you know like you said back-to-back cy young years cy young contending years i think he's probably the safest bet after that though it's hard not to love the appeal of what blake snell brings Um, yeah I know he's all over the place sometimes, but uh, like that high K nine, you know, he and when he's on, obviously he's one of Cy Young. We've seen it before. We know what right. a full year of him being fully on looks like. Um, I think he's still got it. I actually watched his game, uh, most of his game last night against the Marlins. Not the you know most intense competition, and you know he did give up a few runs, but it was still like he's a fun pitcher, and it would be yeah. a lot of fun to. The Cardinals haven't had a Blake Snell. Uh, I don't know if ever, but maybe peak like Wayno Carpenter combo, you know, like, I, I don't know. He he's, he's a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. And great personality. I would, that would be a lot of fun covering him. Yeah. Uh, looking at the injury list again, um, Ryan Helsley cleared of any structural damage, which is great. Uh, the the Tommy John, you know, the the long term forearm injury threat has been around for a while. Seems like maybe we're clear of that, though. He is possibly going for another MRI. It, it, he's still feeling soreness, so it's not solved, but right. no structural damage is good unless it just wasn't found on the first MRI. But sure. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I'd love to see him again this year, but I'm also like, whatever, just get healthy and come back in 2024. I think I agree with that. It, it would be nice just like as a security blanket to see him throw an inning or two. But uh, yeah. again, it, it's kind of the, you know, keep your head down and get healthy. And that's really the only concern. Um, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. It, it would be great, though. Um, continuing on the bummer news, there are a few, you know, better things coming up, but continuing on the bummer news, Newt bar placed on the 10 day IL, uh, poor guy. (laughs) Um, he should be back, but, uh, yeah, that, uh, foul ball (laughs) having him in, eh, you know, we'll, uh, hopefully he recovers. Okay. My God. Yeah. Poor guy. (laughs) Uh, right side, uh, Gorman expected to be activated on Friday as long as he gets through a full workout on Wednesday. So we should find out probably by time this episode drops, we'll have a better idea of what Gorman's, uh, return looks like. 
Um, right. You know, one of the bright spots of this year, really hoping to have Gorman end the year uh, on a strong note. And I'm excited to see what a uh, a win Gorman infield, you know, shortstop second base combo could look like. Uh, we both have remarked on Gorman's, uh, you know, improved ability at second base has been over this year. And uh, I'm looking forward to the to the Gorman win combo for for the next several, several years. Yeah. Yeah. Can't wait for that. They'll, they'll be great together. Um, not to mention just the, we have no left-handed bats right now in the lineup with Newt and Gorman being yeah. out. It's uh, the <laughs> offense looks bad. It has been, hasn't been great. I mean, it really hasn't been great ever since Donovan uh, kind of fell off or, or sorry, uh, got injured and the, the team has just looked flat. Yeah. It, I mean, it, it's hard not to feel like the last week has been rock bottom, <laughs> but yeah. I don't know. We've said that a couple times this year, but it has definitely felt particularly bad, especially um, the the Wainwright start two nights ago uh, with, you know, yeah. it was like it was looking good going into the fifth inning against the Pirates and then it just completely collapses. You're like, well, here we go. Yep, this is this is what it. This is the this is the year, right? This is how it's been all year. Um, all right. What else, Ben? I've been I've been reading down these for a little bit. You want to close this out from the yeah, end? The only list other section? thing is uh, Matt's uh, said thir- uh, said on Thursday he will be shut down from throwing for at least the next two weeks. Um, I think this likely spells the end of Stephen Matt's season, which. Again, just like you just said, this is the year. Um, Matt's has accumulated like eight innings for the Cardinals since signing that deal. Um, obviously I'm being a little bit dramatic, but disappointing in the sense that it was turning around and now that's gone. Hopefully he can take it and you know, the momentum and blah, 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 but (laughs) add it to the pile. Who cares? Whatever. Move on. Yep. So, um, we do have some positive stuff that we want to talk about in this episode. Uh, uh, this has been a bit of a downer segment talking about all the IL, but like you said, I think they're also just being quick with it. There's no reason to have anyone get seriously hurt here in the last month of the, of the season. So if, if they've got anything, just put them on the IL, bring up someone else. The, the Cardinals don't really want to win right now. So it is what it is. So, uh, the one, one big bright spot is the catcher position, which we're going to talk about right after we remind everybody that this show is listener supported. If you are enjoying the show, have been following this whole season, it's ups and it's downs and it's downs and it's downs. Uh, and you want to support us and the effort we bring uh, and the effort we put into bringing this show to you every single week. Consider joining our Patreon, patreon.com slash talking about birds. Patrons of any level get access to our private Discord server. It's the bird scored. We're having a great time in there talking about all sorts of stuff. Uh, it's a nice place to get away from uh, your boring social media platform that you're on right now, or you're like, maybe you're on six or seven different ones trying to find uh, a safe haven from the collapse of X. Uh, consider the bird scored patreon.com slash talking about birds. Uh, we also appreciate it when people leave us reviews on their favorite podcast platform. It helps, uh, Ben, where can people find us online elsewhere? Yeah, you can follow us on Twitter at talk about birds. We're on Instagram at talking about birds. Uh, you can email us thoughts, questions, concerns, criticisms, uh, whatever 
at talkaboutbirds at gmail.com. Our show is on Spotify. Listen to us there if you prefer that. We got a TikTok. Find us on TikTok, uh, and you can find all of that information at talkingaboutbirds.com. I want to shout out um, Akira from the Birds Court had a great idea that we should stop trying to have Wainwright pitch and just have him uh, go in as a DH every game and try to get a, get his batting average back over 200. <laughs> Seems like a far more effective use of his time and everyone's enjoyment at this point. I uh, couldn't agree more. So if you want content yeah. like that and other great ideas, consider the Birds Court. Yeah, I want to see Wainwright get dragged off the field after not having swung in a major league pitch in uh, a few years. I think that's yeah. <laughs> a disaster waiting to happen. It would be entertaining. Yeah, yeah, it would. Um, all right, let's talk about the catcher position. Ben, have you prepared yeah. your remarks, your apology tour for Andrew Kisner? Um, uh, no. I- I'll just turn the floor over to you. No, I apologize for nothing. Um, that being said, <laughs> I am happy that Andrew Kisner has been producing um, to a shocking degree. This is this has been a lot of fun. Um, so last year, the Cardinals got very little production from the catcher position. Yadier Molina, Ivan Herrera, Austin Romine, and Andrew K- Kisner combined for 61 WRC+, plus, which is kind of a, a rating of their overall offensive performance, and negative 0.6 F war. Uh, obviously, according to fan graphs this year at the catcher position. Uh, and again, this is as a group and this is this. These numbers are only accounted for if you are starting at catcher this day. So this is not taking into account Wilson Contreras' time at DH. I don't think Andrew Kisner has DH this year off the top of my head. No, I'd be I don't believe so. Shocked and appalled if that uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, was true, but I don't think it is. Anyways, from uh, at the catcher position. They have a 121 WRC plus, which is double what they are producing last year. And to this point, they have put up 3.1 F war, which is infinitely more productive. So I, I wanted to call that out because I think that, well, first off, trying to find something good to talk about this season. That is good. The card, we talked about this six months ago. Cardinals had an obvious hole. Yadier Molina was leaving. We needed to get a contribution from the catcher position. It wasn't going to look the same as it had always looked, but this has been a clear upgrade. And the surprise production of Kinzer has been a a legitimate factor. Um, Contreras and Kinzer are on the season are both rocking. Uh, It's a 120 and a 121 WRC plus with Contreras slightly in front, uh, which is impressive. Ivan Herrera actually has a 135. WRC plus obviously very limited playing time, but we have three catchers right now that are hitting at least 20% above league average. Uh, so take that to the bank all day. And since July 1st, Wilson Contreras has a WRC plus of 198, basically meaning that he is two players. Um, and Andrew has a WRC plus of 186. These guys have been crushing for almost two months at this point. Um, and I don't know. I, I I wanted to applaud their performance. I uh, I think that um, I think that you and I at least agree on this. I'm not sure if everyone listening agrees with this, but obviously the card, the way that Wilson came in, I thought was totally unfair for so many reasons. And of course, the guy signs a big contract and he's pressing and he's not performing. And I don't expect him to run a 198 WRC plus for 162 games next year. 
but I think this is closer to the hitter. He'll balance out. He'll, he'll be hot. He'll be yeah. cold. And maybe when he doesn't have a big contract and a big change looming over him, I, I think he'll probably have a very solid season next year. So yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. When you look at his overall season line, it's basically right in line with his last several years with the Cubs. Like he, he is the player that they signed. Um, you know, it, it came in this sort of like huge volley and then now this incredible peak. But that's how a lot of players are. You know, you, the 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 peaks make up for the valleys. And he's obviously digging himself a little bit out of a hole, but a nearly 200 WRC plus for almost two months is incredible. Uh, so I it, it's actually this is the least surprising part to me. Like I, I was fully on board and supported. Contreras the whole year. I'm glad that it's happening, but I'm not that surprised that he's absolutely crushing the ball. He's been good for several years. The Kisner right. part is the most surprising to me, and it does make me wonder what do we what are we doing next year? Is it just this next year? Is it uh, Contreras and Kisner, and then we see what Herrera when Herrera is needed? Someone will likely get hurt at some point, and he's called up again, and we just rinse and repeat what we did this year. Or are you you seeing anything different for next year? I think it's hard to argue against it with Andrew's performances here. I will say if I was John Mosellock, I would go out and target an ace defensive catcher, a Martin Maldonado, a uh, somebody who is catch and throw game calling works on the relationships. Um, and I have no, I don't think that Kinsler has done a bad job this year by any means. And the offensive production is great. I just think having two players of the same flavor, playing the same position, batting from the same side is not optimal. Um, yeah. I would much rather if I have, if my starting catcher is a slugger with a lower defensive ceiling, I would much rather my backup catcher essentially be the exact opposite player so that I can match up the way that I want to, or if I'm having Wilson Contreras DH that day, I know that I have a defensive ace behind the plate. So it's kind of an upgrade at both spots. And you look at some of the best teams in baseball, some of the teams that I respect as far as their player dev and player management and, and their team building. And almost all of those teams are prioritizing defense at catcher over offense, um, which is, you know, maybe why you could call the signing, not the, the best thing ever. <laughs> but I do think that you can kind of have your cake and eat it too. Yeah. If Christian Vasquez is another guy that comes to name, those kind of light hitting catch and throw guys is who I would target. Um, we'll see. Well, and, and truthfully, it's what the Cardinals have had with Yachty for every year, except for that, like six year run where he was also a very good offensive player, but right. The last mo several years of Yachty's career and the first several years of Yachty's career, he was a light hitting defensive first catcher, right? Yes. So it's it's the Cardinals' own, own model, uh, you know. So yeah, it's tricky. I I have a hard time seeing them changing anything. What with this success, and what do you do with Kisner? I don't know that many are trading for Kisner despite his good year. So are you really like cutting him or or um, DFAing him? Just you know, with this performance, I, I, it seems unlikely, but I think. I do agree with you. I just, I'd be really surprised if they do that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you're, you're probably right, but 
I don't know. I'm just trying to look at the Austin Hedges is somebody who is like a fantastic framer, terrible hitter. He could be got next year for probably close to nothing. Manny Pena uh, is on that list. Uh, Roberto Perez is somebody who I'm super high on. Tom Murphy is kind of both. He's got power um, and he is a great defender. Um, outside of that, uh, yeah, that might be the list. Uh, Victor Caratini would be an interesting get. He's a, a switch hitter as well. But again, that's how I would construct the team. I understand that if you have a catcher that's putting up a 120 WRC plus, you're probably not going to let that go for nothing. Um, I I would understand the argument either way. But having two guys that aren't awesome defenders is not awesome from my point of view. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Yeah, (laughs) having two guys who aren't awesome is not awesome. Hey, you know what, Nate? You try speaking extemporaneously for 90 minutes a week. It is. I mean, it is incredible what you do because the listeners may not know this, but I have a full script for every single episode (laughs) and everything that I say is written down and and pre-organized and and Ben just just fires it off the top of his head. Even this is scripted for me. Yeah. Um, It's pretty impressive what you do, though. You know, you you spend a lot of time. I always say it doesn't it doesn't come out good. And you say "Mm, it's good enough for me. (laughs) Never pretended that it was. Uh, Would you believe, never... Nathan, if you had to pick uh, which which Cardinal catcher has the most defensive war um, in the year of 2023 right now? Which Cardinal catcher okay, has the most defensive war, according to fan graphs, which remind you that includes framing, who has the most? Well, it feels like a trick question. Whenever you whenever you set these up, I'm like, what's the least likely one? So I'm going to say Yvonne Herrera. No, you're wrong. He is in <laughs> second, though. Uh, okay. Wilson Contreras, number one. Yvonne Herrera, number two. And Andrew Kisner is not even on the board. He's I got to yeah. go find him somewhere. Well, he is 90th in the I, league. I was going, my original thought was Contreras, but, but I always feel like you're trying to trick me with these sorts of things. But like, I don't, you know, Contreras hasn't been bad, you know, no. like I, I think he's fine, you know, like if we erase all the stupid stuff from the beginning of the year, I don't think anyone would ever even be talking about him defensively. You know, I think he's we, been pretty we good. Signed, we signed a top 10 catcher in the league and he has remained a top 10 catcher in the league. No complaints. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the Cardinals overall had a pretty bad offseason, but their goal of solving the catcher position, they absolutely did. You know, we just wish they did like nine other things after this. But as far as solving (laughs) that problem, they did. Yes, absolutely. All right. Well, let's uh, talk about the uh, upcoming series. Uh, (laughs) We've been playing some bad teams and it's been going uh, Pretty poorly even still. So we've got a series coming up against Philly. Uh, Philly's yeah. still in the hunt. Harper's yeah. <laughs> been turning it back on. Uh, Turner seems to be turning it back on. Uh, this is going to be a difficult series, I think. It's going to be a difficult series. We're also, it looks like Nola and Wheeler are lining up to pitch against the Cardinals, which is not great. I feel like Wheeler has had the Cardinals number for like three years running at yeah. this point. Um, and obviously the superstars that you just mentioned have been great. Nick Castellanos has been hitting a little bit better. Bryson Stott has arguably been the best player on the Phillies this year, taking over second base full time. Um, 
and not to mention JT Real Muto, you know, still, you know, probably the second or third best catcher in baseball is still there, still doing his thing and and, and great. Um, yeah, it's it's a tough team. I, I think that, you know, their soft underbelly is the bullpen, I guess. Uh, but there's still some kind of scary names Alvar- in there. Um, Alvarado is back. Uh, Kimbrel has regained his form as their closer. Like they're a good team. I mean, they, they, they are, you know, the ALE or the NL East is really difficult and, you know, they've struggled with that division totally, but they're, they're a good team. So a uh, good chance for the Cardinals to rack up some L's. We, uh, we'll get to see some Schwarber bombs. I'm sure. Probably. Yeah. Like if drew Rom pitches against the, <laughs> the, <laughs> no. the Phillies. <laughs> oh no. Or yeah, if Bryce Wayne Harper, up- What's the what do we who are the Cardinals lined up to to pitch against the Phillies? Because if if uh, if yeah. Wayno throws against the Phillies, I I feel very sorry for uh I, I, for for Wainwright. That will line up. He sh- he would have the yeah. third game, I believe. Um, but again, I still say even though the Phillies might just absolutely blow him up, I I would keep starting Wayno throw him out until there. the season's done or until he says no more, coach, no more. But I would keep throwing him out there. Yeah, I agree. We talked about that all last week. Uh, after the after the Phillies, uh, another good team, though they have their problems as well. Uh, the Padres, three games against the Padres. So weird season for the Padres, not unlike the Cardinals, where if you just name some of the people on the team, you'd think they must be one of the best teams in the NL. Uh, right. Machado and Tatis. Uh, Snell, uh, Musgrove, although he's been hurt, you know, they have some, the highs are incredibly high. Uh, Hassan Kim suddenly, you know, really doing what everyone thought he would do when, when he was initially signed, he looks like he yeah. might be the best player on that seemingly stacked team. Uh, but like the Cardinals, they have not been able to fully put it together and, uh, you know, it should be a good series, but I think you'd still expect the Cardinals to be pretty under pretty big underdogs in this series. I, I we're I know we're that we're running out of season at this point and we're we're getting to the last, you know, 40 games or so. Um and, and the Padres, they are in fourth place in that division. Um the thing is they they still have a very nice run differential. They have all the talent. Manny Machado is starting to hit. Hassan Kim is essentially turned himself into a superstar this season, which I think is incredible. Tatis is having a great season. Juan Soto is having a great season. Blake Snell's having a great season. I still think like if I had, if I was a betting, a sports better, I would put a small amount of money on the Padres squeaking into the playoffs and having a really nice run here at the end. I think the, you know, the likeliness, I don't know, but I, I, I can just see it happening. They're too good. That I don't understand the Giants. I don't understand the Diamondbacks. I don't think those teams are as good as the Padres, even with the Padres 120 or 107, uh, yeah, 127 games of mediocre play. I still think that they could pull it out. And you know what might boost their confidence and their their run to the playoffs is <laughs> oh, a God. little three game set against the Cardinals. <laughs> Maybe uh, in the game I watched last night with Blake Snell starting uh, Tatis threw a guy out at home by a mile. You know, Tatis has had a. uh, It was Jake Berger, right? Yes, it was. Uh, Who sends Jake Berger? That was so stupid. (laughs) No, it was a mistake in the first place. But man, um, 
Yeah, I was a big boy trying to round third. <laughs> us, us bigger boys were just not that quick. You know, you got to <laughs> take a station to station. Um, but uh, yeah, Tatis, you know, he's had a an interesting couple last last couple years. It's kind of easy to forget about him as a young superstar. And, and his season has been good, but not great. But when you actually watch the games, it's like, man, that guy really still stands out everywhere. Oh, he is. Special. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. So we'll see a couple series against some tough teams, considering how the Cardinals yeah. have played against these bad teams we've been playing. Uh, I think we can probably anticipate some, of the, uh, <laughs> some of the results. But remember, it's a good thing. We're watching this yeah. series. Like, here's the ideal. Here's what I want every game. I want Jordan Walker to crush. I want Mason Wynn to crush. I want Adam Wainwright to sneak by a couple more wins and end the season (laughs) on a positive note. And I want otherwise every game to end like nine to eight Cardinals losing with Walker. You know? Yeah. I wish I could tell Adam Wainwright somehow that it's fine. You don't need to come to the media and apologize. Just keep showing up. Quit. He's beating himself up more. And I, I hate, I don't know. I, not to talk more about Adam Wainwright, but it really bums me out that he's going out like this. It bums me out that there was no fun or fanfare around his final season with the Cardinals. Um, and, and I think that there should be. I don't think that he's a Hall of Fame player. Um, we've talked about his candidacy and everything like that, but I, I am surprised at how little excitement is being talked about for his last handful of starts in professional baseball, being that he is such a stalwart and a and a uh you you could not write the story of the last 20 years of the cardinals or even the national league without adam wainwright and for him to kind of go off with a whimper has been really uh, sad it's 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 disappointing um and whether his performance his performance doesn't matter for the cardinals anymore and i wish we could all just celebrate and have fun and enjoy watching adam wainwright for a few more starts yeah I, if we could find a way to just like separate the results from how we're handling it, like even if he goes out there and gives up eight runs, if we could just be like, Adam, you know, hooray, what tell us about, you know, the, the like your, your experiences as a Cardinal, like if his press conferences were like, well, you know, what happened out there tonight? And he has to, and he feel, he clearly feels this need to like apologize and, and yeah. whatnot. And it's just like, Buddy, we don't need it. You know, I'd rather you well, be up there talking about your album that you're putting out this off season. <laughs> right. And, yeah. and I get that, you know, the, the, the beat writers have to write their gamers and they have to get something from the starting pitcher and blah, blah, blah. But who cares? It's Adam yeah. Wainwright. I just want to look at Adam Wainwright, enjoy him for the last month and a half that we have him. Yeah. Agree. All right. Let's, uh, let's talk about, uh, some stuff going around the league. Uh, yeah. Ben, what do you got for us? Yeah, let's talk about the Mariners. They are on the exact opposite trajectory of the Cardinals. They can't stop winning. They have two eight-game winning streaks in the month of August. We are recording on the 23rd. There is still more August to go. They have 16 wins already, and they are now in the AL wildcard spot, and they basically just you know, bash their way through there. Uh, A big part of that is Julio Rodriguez, who has been on absolute fire and over this weekend he set a record a major league record uh with the most hits in four consecutive games going 17 for 22 nate did you have any time this weekend to watch what julio was doing yes i did i 
I, like everybody in baseball, am a huge fan of the J-Rod show. So, uh, yes, I, I wasn't watching the games like live, right. but I was uh, absolutely watching the replays. I mean, you can't get more fun than Julio Rodriguez in baseball no. right now. Um, and yeah, what an incredible performance. 17 for 22. Like, what yeah. the hell? <laughs> I mean, it's no Corey Dickerson, 12 for 12. Don't right. get me wrong. But but right. You know, when I he think did, of, he did in, tie the 10 for 10, 10 at bats in a yeah. row. So when I think there's a Corey Dickerson in the middle of this, there is a Yeah. <laughs> When you peel away the curtains, it, there's always a Corey, yeah. Corey Dickerson in the middle of this. Um, yeah. Yeah. I definitely think of like all time performances in my mind. Number one, Corey Dickerson. Number two. Julio Obviously. Rodriguez. Yes. Yeah. And uh, what was yeah, so it, cool about incredible. this was that he was hitting 450 foot home runs, infield singles, hustle doubles. Like oh, he's just so much fun to watch. He is. Yeah. I am quickly becoming one of my favorite players in baseball. He is. He is spectacular. Uh, moving on to less exciting news, the Chicago White Sox <laughs> and their last 60 days or so just continues to go to hell. Uh, Chicago White Sox owner Jerry Reinsdorf, who I think is a class A moron, um, <laughs> has decided to fire Ken Williams and Rick Hahn, uh, the two leaders of the baseball ops department for the White Sox. And they are expected to promote Chris Getz to GM uh, and Rangers executive Dayton Moore. I did not know that Dayton Moore had taken a job with the Rangers post Royals career, uh, but it looks like he will be joining the team as well. As to what their levels of uh, uh, responsibility are and everything like that, I think that remains to, to be uh, unknown. What is also strange about this, and it is being reported that Ken Williams only had the authority to trade with two teams in his role uh, as vice president, which I've never heard of that before in my whole time paying attention to baseball, that a a GM or a GM light or whatever the role would be assigned such little work. <laughs> yeah. What does that even job. mean? Like you can only, tra- there was like two designated teams that you could trade with. Like you can only yes. trade with the Tigers it, it was, we know that the Marlins were one of the teams and the other team has not yet been reported, but I assume that'll come out in background here in the next few days. And was it was someone else's responsibility to deal with the 28 other teams or it was just like, if you can't so, find a deal with these two teams, then Han was dealing with the other teams and Williams was dealing with the, the Marlins and some other team that we don't know about yet. Yeah. Which yeah speaks to what how this is no way to run a team what are you doing <laughs> also wouldn't it make sense for everyone to see the full picture and to work on everything together um, yeah so i think it's probably a good idea that these guys were removed i i think really if, if i you know were the baseball gods reinsdorf is who i would remove first because I, I really do think it's top top uh top to bottom uh yeah. issues here but uh that's not going to happen and I, another thing that has come out, and I, I'm, I'm not putting any credence to this yet, but it has been reported by multiple people already, is that the there is talks around Reinsdorf potentially selling the team. There are also talks about the White Sox moving to Nashville. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't know what to think here. It, it's kind of crazy in the south side of Chicago right now, but uh, lots of movement. Yeah, I, it's a lot of torn on a lot of things like I hate to hear them moving to Nashville, um, but also flip side, like Chicago, you know, of all the places to like to lose a team, like I hate to say you still have the Cubs because it's the Cubs, 
But yeah. like, I, it makes more sense to me to move a team from a city that has two than like ripping one out from a city that doesn't have any base or that only has one baseball team. Right. So like if we have to move teams to fit these new markets, like it makes more sense to me to move the White Sox than uh, like ripping out the the Rays or something like that. Right. Um, I, but in general, I don't like te- cities losing their teams. Uh, there's a lot yeah. of great White Sox fans out there. If I lived in Chicago, I would be a White Sox fan. Uh, yeah. You know, they have a they have a great history. Like they shouldn't move. But no, somebody has. No, to move, I, I get it. And I think Cardinals fans and White Sox fans inherent like we just get along. Yeah, right? because we, we hate the same thing. Yep. Um, passionately. And, uh, yeah. I, I think it'd be a, a, a crime. I, I am uh, married into a white Sox family. Um, some rabid fans up there on the South side that are, are total lunatics. I know, uh, cousin Karen has met Frank Thomas many times. Like I, I would, <laughs> it's, you already, you already alluded to this. They have a great history. Um, yeah. they haven't had a great recent history. Um, but I think it would be really, really sad. That being said, Reinsdorf should sell, get him yeah. out of MLB, please. I, I do think it's nice too. like we've only heard really bad stories about the clubhouse, the culture, all of the, the like everything about the team. And then the two top guys like get fired. It's like, OK, yeah, like at least that happened. You know, right. like it, it's nice to see. I do agree with you. It's it's even more systemic than than those two guys. It, it likely is Reinsdorf all the way down. Uh, but for those of you that truly believe Mazalak and crew are a like are the real problem with the Cardinals. Like it does happen. These guys at this level can be fired, can be removed. It's rare, but it happens, you know? So, yeah. uh, And I just think Reinsdorf just has this history from, you know, his ownership of the bulls, his ownership of the white side. Like, I think he's just a bad owner and he alienates people and he's not a good people manager. And yeah. Anyways. Yeah. Um, We'll see. So the next note I had was, uh, I just kind of wanted to talk about Hasak and Kim. We kind of already hit this, um, but he is bo- blossoming, in, blossoming into a secret star for the Padres, like Nate kind of uh, hit earlier. Um, he is 11th overall in F-War with 4.5 and 4th in Baseball Reference War with 6, which puts him in, uh, you know, the conversation with uh, Shohei Otani on the offensive side of the ball and uh, Mookie Betts. And just kind of wild that this guy who was a star in the KBO has, it took him some time to get used to major league baseball, but he is establishing himself super well. Yeah. He grand slam last night um, and is playing great defense. I, I don't know. I think it's really exciting. I think it's great for the game. I think that more, the, the more Asian players that come over and succeed like Hassan Kim and Shohei Otani, the better for baseball period um, globally, MLB, everything. I just love it. And he just seems like the coolest guy ever. Yeah, I'm a big fan. Uh, yeah, I mean, you just you love to see these guys. I, I, anytime a new star is starting to to you know shine in the MLB, wow. it's it's fun. And then if it's from someone from uh, you know from one of the international leagues, it's it's even better. Um, yeah. Uh, total pretty, sidebar. Pretty uh, cool. The Cardinal game has restarted, and uh, Jordan Walker walked. Mason Wynn moved him to third with a single, and then Mason Wynn stole second. Uh, so Mason go. Wynn got his first big league stolen base. And, uh, of course, they were stranded on second, third when Tommy Edmund struck out. But, hey, <laughs> a little bit of a uh, little bit of the glimpse of the future maybe there with Walker and Wynn uh, hitting back-to-back in the lineup. 
How fun is Pretty that? Pretty cool. Um, I am so over Tommy Edmond leading off. He is <laughs> not the leadoff hitter for any team unless yeah. you're playing, you know, Razball and you're you're trying to construct uh, the team that can score the least amount of runs. Then Tommy Edmond should be leading off. But I love Man. you, Tommy. You're, you're a great player. You should not be leading off for any baseball team. Sorry, buddy. Wrong use of skills. Yes. Uh, all right, moving on uh, to a former Cardinal. The, uh, after being DFA'd from the Blue Jays, uh, the Giants have brought in former Cardinal Paul DeYoung. Uh, it looks like Brandon Crawford is going on the IL for a while, so Paul DeYoung will step in with the Giants and take over the shortstop position. Um, and again, he is uh, going to a team uh, with uh, playoff aspirations. I hope he can stick around a little bit. I hope he can poke a couple home runs over the wall. Um it went really, really bad in yeah. uh, Toronto. So I, I don't think it could be worse for the Giants. But yeah, again, we're hoping for the best for Mr. DeYoung. Well, I, I do think it's pretty interesting. You know, we as as Cardinal fans and and long term watchers of Paul DeYoung were pretty over him. You know, he he did have a pretty good 2023 with the St. Louis Cardinals. I think it's interesting that both the Blue Jays, a competitive team, thought enough of him to acquire him via trade. Not like they gave up a lot, but they still gave up something. And then the Giants, a, a very well-regarded analytics first team that is competing for a playoff position also wanted Paul DeYoung. Uh, yeah. And it's going to be super frustrating when Paul DeYoung, you know, the Giants, <laughs> if anyone, they're going to use him exactly right. And, yes. uh, you know, he's going to end the season uh, probably you know, really, really well for the Giants and good for him. I hope he gets a gets another playoff run. I, I really have no idea what this offseason is going to look like for him. You know, he's being passed around yeah. right now, but is someone going to sign him? I don't know. I mean, it might depend on how he does with the Giants. Yeah, he'll he'll get a minor league invite somewhere. Shortstops, it, it's kind of like we were talking about earlier. If you can throw 95, you'll stick around for a while. If you can play shortstop, you'll stick around for a while. So I'm, yeah. I'm sure, at least I, I hope so. I hope his run isn't done yet. You, you know, is still around that blows my mind all the time. Sells Aledmi's Diaz still getting yep. starting jobs. Uh, you know, it feels like it was two decades ago when he when he stopped playing for the Cardinals and he's still out there. So, yeah, you're you're probably right. He'll get a contract yep. somewhere. Yeah, I mean, Aledmi's might be the best one of the best players on the A's right now, which is <laughs> a different conversation. But anyways, um, speaking of awesome shortstops um, and, and I guess bad news for the Cardinals, the Reds have called up Uber prospect. Nolvi Marte. I'm not sure if I said Noelvi. No, Noelvi Marte. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, we've been talking about these Reds prospects all year. They got a lot of them. They're all really good. They're different flavors of good. Um, and uh, here comes another one. A, a guy who uh, I don't even know where, where is he? Where, do they know where they're going to play him yet? I, I personally, if I, if I was in charge, I'd put him at shortstop and move McLean off. Uh, just because of uh, well, where his, got his glove could short. be. They've got Elliot. I thought Elliot so, was playing third. No. Okay. So they Noel have too many good players. Marte is now playing third. He is, he is the assumed starting third baseman. Okay. Um, and I believe it right now it's Elliot short McLean at second. Uh, wow. And then they've got steer in left field and they've got Votto at like DH and first and Chris, Christian Incarnacion Strand at first base uh, so, as well. You know, we're and, talking about these. Uh, oh, sorry. Well, Jonathan India, they're also their young 
star second right. baseman is hurt. So when he comes back, that's where it's they're like right now, all these guys have starting spots. But when India comes back is where it's going to start to get challenging for them. The last thing I wanted to say to it, Marte, is that he he was the centerpiece of the Luis Castile trade. Um, right. So uh, that's where they got him kind of an up and down uh, prospect at, at one point, especially when they traded for him. He looked like he was one of the top prospects in baseball, had kind of a rough last half of last year and into the beginning of this year. But he really bounced back and, and really earned this call up. And so, yeah, it's like super frustrating and terrifying what the what the Reds are doing right now with all these young guys. And it makes me think back to that conversation we're having about those starting pitchers. Like, I think, you know, if you look at what the Reds are doing and, and what they have potential to do in the offseason, if you look at where the Brewers and the Cubs are, it, it almost, you know, kind of bends my, my arm to thinking, oh, well, maybe the Cardinals need to get two of those three players that we were mm-hmm. talking about earlier uh, to to legitimately look at their team and and contend because uh, Ellie's only going to get better. He, he's obviously skidded out a little bit. McLean looks great. Steer looks great. Um, I have high expectations for Marte. Jonathan India, I think, has had a nice season coming back. Um just a lot of guys. I mean, yeah, they, they're at the, they're like, oh, well, maybe we should sp- start Ellie De La Cruz in center field because we have too many quality infielders um, and they need to they need to figure out spots for these guys. But, yeah, I, I don't know. It's uh, they, if that's the, not putting pressure on the Cardinals, I don't know what would the NL Central next year could be one of the best divisions in baseball. If all of the NL Central teams make a concerted eff- concerted effort to contend in 2024. Which which is it, a whole other conversation. Yeah, but it does seem like they will. I think the Cubs will. I Cubs, think Reds, the, and Brewers, you would all have to expect, are, are going to improve themselves going into next year. Right. And then the Cardinals are saying they will. You know, And yeah. I, I expect that the, the prediction systems for next year will basically rank on who had the most dramatic offseason yeah. from the NL Central. Whatever NL Central team has the best offseason will be the... Uh, pick to win the NL central and it will scale down exactly from there. <laughs> yeah. And then the pirates and then the pirates. Yeah. Who will never sign a free agent worth a damn. Uh, nope. all right. That's all I got for league news this week. All right. I got a new game for you this week, Ben. Um, so this is, this is built off of everyone's favorite, uh, like stupid game that you play with like Hollywood celebrities or whatever. Uh, you know, the okay. game, uh, fuck, Mary kill. Yeah. I have come up with an, a, a baseball equivalent of that game. Okay. That I'm calling, uh, trade start cut. Okay. Thank you for not making me <laughs> contemplate what I thought you were about to do. I did consider it for a minute, but I thought it, we, we'd keep it just solely baseball. So thank you. Thank I'm going to give you three players. You have you're you're a you're a GM. Yep. I'm giving you three players. I will let you like you can assume this is the best possible version of this player or okay. however you want to envision this player when I give them to you. Like yeah, you are free to use your imagination. Okay. And, and you say cut trade extend? No. Uh uh trade start. Trade. Start. So start, you know, you're basically committing to them, right? That's yeah. the, the Mary equivalent. Yep. And then uh cut. So do you cut. trade them? Okay. Do you start trade, them? start, cut. Okay. Yep. Okay. I'm ready. We're starting with a bang. 
no pun intended. Albert Pujols, Jim Edmonds, Scott Rowland. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, wow. Okay. So I am going to, damn, this sucks. I'm going to trade <laughs> Scott Rowland. Um, cause I'll get a sweet prospect package for him. He's, uh-huh. you know, hall of famer. Let's go start Albert Pujols. He's inner circle hall of famer. You just have to, he's, you know, he's Albert. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to cut Jim Edmonds cause he is somehow the worst of those three players, even <laughs> though I think he's amazing. And one of the best Cardinal center fielders of all time, maybe the best. Um, but I have to, and, uh, I'm sorry, Jimmy ball game. I'm sure I could get more for you on the free agent market, but you hit on my wife and it's over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you cut him, maybe he doesn't ultimately end up being one of part of your broadcast team, which would be a win-win <laughs> long-term. Yeah, right. <laughs> okay. Uh, next we're going to look at a trio of closers. Uh, the final boss, Sungwon O, Trevor Ooh. Rosenthal, or Ryan Helsley. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm going to, ooh, I'm going to trade the final boss, Sungwon O, because I, I thought that was so much fun. I feel like he didn't get a yeah. fair shake. Pandemic, it was just such a weird thing. Um, and he was so fun. The personality, the, yeah. the KBO of it all. The KBO seems great. It seems like they're having a good time over there. Um, I would start Ryan Helsley because he may have had one of the best closer seasons I've ever watched in my life. And I'm going to cut Trevor Rosenthal because all I have heard, and this is purely on background. There's no, I don't have anything to back this up. He's a total asshole, uh, to fans, like not a great guy to work with. Um, so I'm going to take that and run with it. And he's, uh, he's cut, he's gone. He's off the bus. Okay. Um, yeah, I think I agree. I was thinking maybe I'd start Sungwon O just because, again, that fun factor, the final boss, you yeah. know, it, you're probably thinking, making a better baseball decision with Helsley, but, you know, the injuries too. Like, yeah, that's true. So, all right. Uh, here we go. David Eckstein, Skip Schumacher, and Brendan Donovan. Oh, no. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> so I would, oh, David Eckstein. Brendan Donovan, Skip Schumacher. I would trade Brendan Donovan because I think the Cardinals probably should um, wow. diversify, go get a nice young pitcher for a, a very solid player. Starting David Eckstein because he's a winning player. Two World Series rings on that guy. Two. Yeah, two of them. I'd probably, I, I would prefer he'd be at second base rather than shortstop, but two World Series rings on that guy. That Not, not a lot of people can say that. Uh, and then I'm cutting Skip Schumacher. I w- <laughs> w- always was annoyed with the Skip Schumacher experiment from the beginning. I didn't think he was a good enough hitter to transfer to second base. I- I'm not arguing that it was an impressive transfer, but he wasn't good at second base and he became a worse hitter. Um, that's not his fault, but I-, I don't need it. He he was never that good. Yeah. Right. But he's a leader of men. Uh, anyways, he's he is a leader. Of he men. can start his management <laughs> career early. Skip Schumacher is probably going to win manager of the year this year. There's by a the good way. chance. Yeah. We'll see how the season ends. Yeah. All right. You got to pick your backup catcher. Jason okay. LaRue, Andrew yep. Kisner, Matt Weeders. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, I am going to trade Matt Weeders um, because, okay. you know, leader of men. He, he was fine. He had some good years when he was younger. Sure. Uh, I am going to keep. Or I'm going to start Jason LaRue 
um, because he deserves a redemption story because Johnny Cueto uh, uh, stole years of yes. baseball from him. Wow. I'm going to cut Andrew Kisner because, like I said, I just don't think he's a great fit for the team. I think that he could thrive in um, Colorado, maybe. Uh, Colorado has a terrible catching situation. Um, yeah, maybe maybe you can come out here and I, I can what watch and for him. Elias Diaz isn't working out. All star MVP. Yeah. Okay. Um, no man, he had a great first half and he's totally fallen apart. The Rockies are having a really tough second yeah. half, and the tickets have dropped to reflect that, which is very nice for me. Hey, it's what happening at Bush Stadium too, man. I the when I was looking at tickets for the game on Sunday, of course, again, it was gonna be 115 degrees, but right. you're getting like tickets that I've never seen at this price yeah. at Bush Stadium. Like eleven dollar red yeah, eleven dollar Redbird Club, like two dollar right. tickets in the two hundred section, you know, like right. it's like they were basically you could tell people were basically just like someone give me eight dollars for my four tickets because I <laughs> like I just I want something, you know, but I don't right. really care. Yeah, um, it makes sense. I mean, you couldn't get my ass out there in that weather. All right. Yadier Molina, Benji Molina, or and Jose Molina. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, I I am. Um, oh, geez. <laughs> this, this is not fair. I'm going to trade Jose Molina. Okay. Um, because I think that you know he's underrated player, uh, great framer, um, one of the best framers of all time, uh, and just was never recognized for that. And he deserves to start somewhere. Keeping Yachty because it's my boy. Um, and I'm cutting Benji so that again he can start his broadcasting career early. <laughs> let's let's he's great on the broadcasting side. Let's go. And and I think he would enjoy that. Um, so yeah, yeah. That that one I didn't like. <laughs> okay. And my last one. Matt Holiday, Matt Carpenter, Matt Adams. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so this one's pretty easy, I think. You trade Matt Carpenter because uh, yeah. you'll get great value for him because he is an all-star, uh, almost MVP-level player. Keeping Matt Holiday, of course. Who doesn't want... I would want Matt mm-hmm. Holiday on the Cardinals this year right in his 40s. Yeah. I love Matt Holiday. Um, and those forearms. Matt... You, I remember looking up his uh, forearm workout one time and I don't think that I could even like, it's like, it it was unbelievable. Go uproot a redwood, split (laughs) it in half. Yeah. Rip a piece of concrete in half. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just what, what an amazing human and and specimen um, more importantly. Uh, And then Matt Adams, I'm cutting him because you know what? (laughs) It just never came together. I, I, I still kind of believe he never got a full fair shake, um, but that's probably not true. Um, and I think that if he would have stuck to his approach, if he would have been a slap hitter that hits a home run every once in a while, I think everybody forced him into this box because he was such a big guy um, and he just kept trying to hit homers. But I liked him. He just never, never reached his potential. Slippery Rock. That's where he's mm, from. Never heard that one before. We'll always have the... Uh... The home run off of Clayton Kershaw, where he jumped yes, down the first baseline like a little, like a schoolboy. It was great. That was great. Yes. Yep. All right. That's all I got for you, Ben. That was our first edition of Trade Cut Start or Trade Start Trade Start <laughs> Cut. So maybe our worst game yet. That's not yeah, even really it, a game. If you agree or disagree with any of Ben's takes, uh, let us know uh, on Birdscored or on your favorite social media. Uh, and 
with that, we'll wrap up this episode. Thank you, everybody, of course, for listening. We'll be back next week. Should be another rough week in Cardinal Nation, but uh, hey, we're getting yeah. through it and we're having a good time doing it. So uh, I guess for now, that's it. Until next week, let's go Cardinals. Let's go! Let's go.